music, news, entertainment. It's all right here. This is The Kelly Alexander Show. Hey, it's Kelly Alexander, and this week we're looking forward to our chat with Canadian pop recording artist Elijah Woods talking about his song called Make Believe and being on tour with Australian artist Dean Lewis. We also travel back into our vintage vault to have amazing conversations with award-winning DJ, producer, and author Steve Aoki talking about his album Neon Future 4, as well as pop soul Texas-based band Surfaces discussing the success of their hit song Sunday Best and what it was like to collaborate with Sir Elton John. Listen Anytime, any place, just a click away. KellyAlexanderShow.com. Always happy when we are joined by this amazing Canadian recording artist, Elijah Woods. Elijah, welcome back to the show. How are you? I am excellent. So happy to be back. Um, uh, I miss you. It's been. Forever. I miss. I miss you too. And like, do you see your name in fancy lights? Is that? Cool? I know. I'm. I wasn't gonna say it because it, it makes me seem a little egotistical. But I like seeing it up there. I always like to be like, am I the only one that's done that for you today? (laughs) You're the first today for sure. So I appreciate it. Amazing. So there is much to talk about. And I have to start with this because I follow you on social media, unsurprisingly. And I know it wasn't that long ago that you uh, proposed to your lady. I did. Now you are locked and loaded to get married. So uh, and it sounds like this was a long time coming this like or a long planning process. Can you tell us how this all went down? It was, yeah. Um, it was probably the most stressful thing I've ever done because I'm really bad at keeping secrets. Like, just like actually atrocious at keeping secrets. Like, even when I buy her a gift, sometimes, like, I'll, I'll in October I came back and I got her a, a a bag that she wanted, and I was like, oh my god, like I got you a Christmas gift, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. The next day I gave it to her, even though it's her Christmas <laughs> gift, because I have so much anxiety about hiding things. Like, I just can't do it. So this was like four months of planning, and I organized this like surprise trip to New York, and she thought we were going for work, and we we're having meetings and stuff like that, and I set up. Um, a photographer to come follow us around Central Park. And I sorted at the ring. I bought a New York and this whole thing. And then we went to the park and I got down on one knee and she had no idea, which was very, very cool. So I'm very happy. I'm happy she she said yes. That's a good thing. I was uh, not super nervous about that, but it's always an option. You never know. <laughs> and you guys have been together, is it four years now? Uh, yeah, going on four years. Yeah, okay. we're almost almost at four years here. But uh, it's we, we moved in together, I think, two months after. Um, it was one of those situations where we we started dating like November and then COVID happened the March after that. And it was, yeah, she came to my house for a week and then just never left. And it was like, <laughs> we, we knew then we were like, oh, this is just it for us. We were, we were we, it was one of those connections for sure. That's amazing. And if you go to Elijah's social media to, to watch the whole ring situation. So how did you even find out about this company? And like, it sounded like they were amazing though, the work they did for you. The ring looks fantastic. They were awesome. Um, it's a company called Ring Concierge and uh, her best friend and I actually um, kind of finessed this whole thing and they were really, really great. I just reached out via email and said, hey, here's what I'm looking for. And they were awesome because I had no idea what I was talking about. They were like cut and clarity. And I'm like, is it a diamond? I was like, I don't understand. Like, I don't know what it means. I think she wants the diamond. So yeah, it was uh, it was weird and stressful, but I learned a lot and they were awesome. Yeah, as a company out of New York and they were lovely, lovely humans and they just made the process very, very easy. And I know that it's only like a few weeks into engagement, but like, is serious planning happening? Or are you waiting? Are you going to wait it out a little bit? It's stressful. I'm like, it's it's funny because like you want to give people enough time to be like, hey, come to my wedding and make sure that like you book that weekend off, whatever it is. 
I have a very blended family in terms of like my parents are both separated and remarried happily, very happily, but got stepbrothers and people everywhere and people in other countries and half my family's in Australia and like this whole thing. So it's really tough to try to find somewhere that works for everybody. So I think we've landed on, we're just going to do a destination wedding. And then it's like, if you want to come, you're going to come, you're going to make the investment. It's going to be a fun time. And like people who show up are going to have a really, really good time. So we're, we're slowly getting into it this next, like, the next sort of three weeks are crazy for me. So I'm like, I think after that we'll, we'll seriously get planning, but I think we got another year. I want to enjoy being engaged and doing that whole thing. And then uh, we'll go from there. I'm on a seven year engagement plan. So like, okay. Okay. I'm <laughs> um, honestly, we might be there. I might, I might see you there. <laughs> we just can't, like, cause initially the first couple of weeks, you're like, we're going to do this and then we're going to do that. And then when you realize like how much work it is, you're like, we're going to just chill out for a bit. And seven yeah. years later, <laughs> There you go. Well, you know what? The good thing is you're both committed and you're still there and you're yeah. doing the thing and you haven't yeah. spent all that money on the marriage. So you're good. Yeah. yeah. You're and we figured like, we, we invested in a house, three Huskies and some motorcycles. So we figure like, we're... <laughs> yeah, no, honestly, you're, yeah, your money's, your money's gone to better things in my opinion. <laughs> um, so talk to me about uh, this Dean Lewis situation. How did you get involved in uh, an opening for him when he, when he comes to Montreal? Super wild. I've been a Dean Lewis fan forever. Um, the first song I've heard heard of his was that Be All Right tune, I think that we all heard on the radio. Um, and I was just like infatuated by his voice and his tone and the whole thing. And years later, um, I saw that he was touring Canada and I was like, oh my God, he doesn't have an opening opening slot. So I just randomly posted on social media one day. I was like all hyped up on caffeine. I was like, wouldn't it be crazy if I opened for Dean Lewis? And then it kind of gained some traction. I think like, I don't know, a few hundred thousand views or something like that. And people started tagging him, tagging him. And then he just like, commented like a little eyes emoji and i was like oh, okay so we saw it so then i posted the same thing on instagram and then he commented on that video and i was like oh damn like this might happen so then i uh texted my manager i was like hey can you maybe just like reach out to his team and just see if this is an actual thing and then he did and dean was like totally this is awesome but i only found out from him calling me on the phone i was at, at whistler actually like snowboarding for a little while and i happened to be inside like checking i was checking the social media thing on my on my um what's it called uh, on my laptop. And I was like, uh, my girlfriend at the, my fiance, whatever you want to call her, um, was uh, still getting used to that was recording me for this social media thing. And also my phone rings and it was a number from Australia and I have family there. So I was like, okay, I'll pick up in case they got a new number or whatever. And it was Dean Lewis. And I, he was like, Hey dude, want to come on tour with me? I'm like, what? What do you, yes. Uh, hey, what's up? Yeah, absolutely. I want to come on tour with me, but with you. So that'll happen. And, my, and the first date is actually on Monday, the 22nd in Montreal, which I'm very, very excited about. It's unfortunate because I'm like trying to promote it, but they're all sold out because he's so awesome. And it's just like, I want to be like, yo, come to the show, come hang out. And I'm like, okay, well, if you're already at the show, I'll also be there. So it's going to be fun. <laughs> that is so cool. It's really cool. And like things manifest out in the, in the universe. It's it's awesome. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm all about it. And he's such a lovely human and seems like such a lovely, lovely human. I haven't met him in person yet, but um, yeah, big shout out to Dean and the, and the team and everybody there. Just good, good people. Now you have a song out called Make Believe. Uh, tell us about it, please. Yeah. Um, so it's funny because you listen to Make Believe and it sounds like this like anthemic, like I want you back sort of sort of anthem and this like kind of like ode to a relationship that's really failing. And I actually wrote it about my creative process because I was like in this place where everything I wrote, I hated, like every single song I, I was writing was just like really, really awful. So I actually had to like make believe in the fact that I was a recording artist and a songwriter in this whole thing. And I, I wrote like a, like a breakup song to the creative process and um, me re like really, really fighting for that thing and holding on to these like straws that, that really connected me to songwriting and connected me to, to recording in general. And it came out to be like one of my favorite songs to perform live and one of my favorite like chorus melodies ever, just like this huge anthemic kind of synth driven thing, which I haven't 
put a lot of stuff out like that. Um, but it was one of those songs where I was with uh, a good friend of mine, 12 AM and we were sitting actually in this room and, uh, I started playing those chords underneath the chorus and he started singing the melody on the chorus. I was like, Oh, there's something here. This is crazy. And then all the words just kind of fell out. But first listen, I think everyone would be like, Oh my God, are you going through a tough time in your relationship? I'm like, absolutely not. Let me tell you, it's great. (laughs) Are you going to, uh, maybe perform at the wedding you think? No way. I'm not working at my own wedding. <laughs> well, I thought maybe I you'd write you'd write a little tune for your lady and perform oof. it. She's got enough songs. She's okay. got enough for her. No, no way. That's my day off. I get that. I get I get the the wedding off. Okay, that's perfect. She also told me she also told me pretty early on. She's like, "Listen, if you ever sing to me at one of those situations, I will leave you. I will not. I can't I can't be a party to it because there's nothing worse." Dude, actually hilarious story. I was at a I was at one of our friends wedding and one of the the humans, I can't remember who it was, got really drunk and they like obviously knew who I was and like Hannah was there and the whole thing and it was Hannah's birthday. So they're like, Elijah, come up on stage and sing happy birthday to Hannah. And I'm like, nah, I'm good. Like no one sounds good singing happy birthday. Like it's not like, it's not like, it's a communal song. It's not like somebody out and just like let it wail. And I was, I had a few too many drinks and I was like, there's no way this is happening. And then I had to get on stage and sing happy birthday to hannah and it was the most embarrassing thing i've ever done it was horrible it was just like so i kind of vowed to myself again that i'm not gonna do that it's not it's not for me <laughs> that's that's no. fair that's yeah. fair yeah. um you have an ep coming out what if it was great so tell us about how you des- decided on the title and what we can expect that's coming our way on june 9th so yeah uh very excited for this project um this is kind of a culmination of the last uh probably six to eight months of my like writing journey the title itself is actually just a reflection on self-doubt and just uh really like my creative process and overthinking everything and making sure that everything fits inside of a certain box and fits inside of a certain thing and i was looking at everything all my songs from the lens of like oh does this work and are people uh, are people gonna like this and is it my best work and is it the best thing and then i had like a kind of a little mental breakthrough maybe like six weeks ago and i was like but what if it was actually just great like what if it turned out to be these great songs and i was like that's the title it's just too easy it works it's uh kind of an ode to uh uh, i'm gonna butcher the saying but like uh what if what if things were better than you could ever possibly imagine or whatever like you do something and you hope for the best but you never really really know but i think it's really easy to focus on the negative of something and um it kind of applies to like a lot of life situations it's really easy to worry and to stress about things but like you don't know until you actually do it and that kind of gave me the freedom to like look at all the songs and be like oh i i really love these for what they are and for for being this chapter of my life i think it's really easy as, as a creative and um as anybody in the music industry as anybody in um, a lot of creatives creative industries to like move past your last work really really quickly because you've lived with it for so long and you've you've lived with these songs and these moments and these these lyrics and this whole thing for so long and then they come out and then you're like oh i don't really relate to that anymore because i was six months ago or whatever and it gave me the permission to revisit that in a really, really awesome way. And now playing it live, like I'm just like, it gives me a whole nother life with it. So I'm very, uh, very excited for it to come out. Um, there's going to be a few new songs in there and some of my favorite songs I've ever done. So very, very excited for that to come out June 9th. Now, several months back, I saw uh, again on your social media that you had released a song called Matthew for your brother um, who passed away uh, a long time ago. Uh, I think it's 14 years, right? Um, or in 14 uh, yeah, it was two, 2008. Yeah. So, okay. almost, so yeah, can you years. tell us how you were able to release this? Because it's such a personal, like beyond personal situation. So, I mean, I guess it, it's kind of the long and short of it is 
I, for anybody who's ever gone through death, anybody who's ever gone through loss, um, I feel like everybody has at this age, you know that it doesn't really, it never leaves, it never, um, never goes away, it just kind of changes shape. And for me, I was so young when it happened that I think it's really easy when you're young to just like not deal with it because like you, you see your parents reacting to it and you're like, okay, that's how I should feel. And then you see other people talking to you about it and you're like, okay, that's how I should feel. And it actually came to a head when I turned 23, um, which was the age that he, he died. Um, and that was a number of years ago, but I started thinking about it a lot more and started processing it. And I started talking to, to my therapist about it and I really opened up about it and just like how I actually felt about it and the questions that I had about it. And I've always like looked for a way to feel closer to, to my older brother, Matthew. And I, I never found it because there was such a big age gap and there was so much distance in between. Like I'd lived past the, the years that he'd been alive and I'd experienced things that he hadn't, hadn't experienced just because he didn't have the opportunity to. And so I started writing songs about it and it eventually turned into just a huge collection of notes and moments and questions and memories and um, little anecdotes that I'd, I'd sort of collected over a couple of years. And finally last summer, I was like, okay, I think it's time to time to do this. And it kind of came to, came to a T. I started writing with a good friend of mine, Adrian Mitchell, um, used to be in uh, new city, um, wicked, wicked songwriter. And we just chatted for six hours and I was like, Hey, here's what, here's what I'm thinking. And he was basically my therapist for a while. And, um, we flushed out like the, the lyrical content of the song. And then I sat down with Jesse actually. And, um, it was, I think it was one of the most incredible experiences I've ever had musically because it, to just revisit it and to go back in there. And now it's so wild because when I was done, when we were done writing the song, I listened to it and I can, and I can like feel him there and I can like be there in the song with him. And then when I don't listen to it, I don't have to be there anymore, which is so cool. It gives it a place and it gives it a timestamp. It's like for two minutes and 30 seconds, I could be there with him and then I can leave. And it's so like nice. Cause it feels like it packaged a certain um, emotion and like a certain feeling into, into a, into a nice box, um, a nice neat box that I can visit whenever I need. And, um, I showed it to my family and they were so supportive because that was one of the scariest things for me too. Is like, that was my experience. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't want to make the people I love revisit that thing. Cause it's, it's horrible. It's not, it's not a, not a nice thing, but I think it gave them, gave them another life to it. And, and everyone's so appreciative. So actually for the first time, um, I'm going to try to perform it on this Dean Lewis tour. Um, and we'll see how it goes. It's uh, it's a tough one for me to sing for sure, but I think uh, the messages I've got from releasing it and and doing all that is, it's it's really eye opening um, to how many people have gone through horrible things like this, and that there is light at the other other side of that. Because ultimately, like life does go on, and you just gotta you gotta just see the best in it and keep going. Will that song be on the new EP? I like that song is not. I uh, I I made a very conscious decision to not promote that song and to not. Um, to not have it attached to anything. Cause for me, it sounds really selfish. Um, I didn't write that song for anybody else. I wrote it for me. And for me, the, the reason I put it out to answer your initial question, sorry, that was long and short of it, but to answer your initial question, the reason I put it out is to let go of it. Um, and to, to make it, to make it real. Um, because if it just sat on my computer forever, I, I would, I think I'd be scared to listen to it. And I think I'd be scared to address it, but I put it out for me. And it's been insane to watch the response to it, but I could care less if it has two plays or I think it's at 10 million now or something ridiculous. Like it's, it's a lot of people are relating to it. Um, but I, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I didn't do it for that. So, um, I really, um, 
I needed to do it for me. I know like it as, as crazy as that sound, it was, it was music is like my therapy and like my, my voice and my expression. And, and, um, that is kind of as, as deep as it goes for me. What are you manifesting for the next six months to a year for your fans to kind of maybe know what's coming apart from the EP? Um, I'm manifesting a lot more music. I, I want to, um, I really, really love creating new exciting chapters for me. Um, and I think the, the, the few songs that aren't released from the EP, um, show a couple of new colors for me, which I really, really love. Um, and I'm kind of just finding my stride and being a, a, a front facing recording artist. Like it's cool that I've been doing it for long time now as a producer and as a, a songwriter and as everything, but as like a front man and as a recording, as a recording artist, Elijah, Elijah Woods, I'm pretty new to that, like recording my own voice and doing that whole thing. But it's amazing to see how everyone's been responding to music and, and that, that, um, that support that I've gotten. So I think experimentation and just like making sure that I'm still excited by all this stuff and, uh, yeah, bunch of, bunch of really, really cool, cool stuff coming out. But, um, the main thing is quantity because I produce and write all my music myself actually in this room. I wonder if I can show you this. My studio is a mess, but this is Oh my God, it's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. It's a, it's a small little room, but it's, uh, it's great. And I love it. And I use all the tools in this room and all the guitars and everything to, to make everything. So, um, that's my passion and I love creating it. And my goal in manifestation is to be able to put out, um, I'm trying to do 18 songs this year and I think I'm at, uh, it'll be after the EP. I think it's eight. So we got another, a lot coming at least 18. (laughs) Another, a lot. I like that. Um, a few final questions for your fans. So first of all, which Canadian artist right now would you love to collaborate with great question who do i not want to collaborate with um i love uh, i mean i love where canada's at right now um i think attainable attainably i'd love to do a song with tate mccray i think she's very very brilliant i think she's awesome i think manifestation wise i would love to do a song for justin bieber i would love that he's like huge inspiration who else am i super excited about let's give a let's give a little underground shout out I also really like Preston Pablo too. He's dope. I've met, I met him a couple of times. He's a sweet, sweet guy. Um, wicked singer, awesome performer. Um, I think we'd do some cool stuff together, but I'm in this kind of like low key pocket right now, which I like, I like just like, I like just like flying on my own and doing this thing. And like, I like just making music by myself too. It's, it's so much fun. Tell me about a, uh, a TV show from your childhood that you would love to see rebooted. Great question. I would say Sesame Street, but it's still on. That was like goaded. Trying to think now. I really like the Weekenders. That was a big one for me. I don't know. Like, I don't know that actually that's a tough question because I don't think I want to see anything rebooted. I think what makes it so cool is that it's not here anymore. Cause if it still was like, and I I gotta preface that because Sesame Street is still sick. Like I would, I want to be on Sesame Street. That's a huge goal of mine. Goal of mine. I don't know to get rebooted. I think reboots kill it. I think they ruin it. So I don't think I want anything rebooted. I'll just rewatch the old episodes and live in this, the nostalgia. That is fair. And, um, is there a household chore that you actually like to do? Ooh, I do enjoy vacuuming occasionally. I hate doing laundry. I hate it. I like doing the dishes in the morning. I like that. I find that pretty like cathartic. Good way to start the day. Clean up your space. Um, what else do I like doing? I like dusting. I really like dusting. That's like five things. Anyone has ever told me that they like dusting. So this is I just, perfect. I don't know why I love, I just like, I hate seeing dust on things and I love like clean computer screens. I don't know. I'm like OCD or something. <laughs> uh, best thing about Montreal. 
I got two bests actually. Um, the M Talis, I love that venue. I think that's a really, really fun venue and we're going to be there on Monday and Thursday, I think. Monday Every, and Thursday next week. So the 25th, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 22nd, 25th. Um, and I also really like a restaurant called De Emma. Um, I don't know if you've ever been there. I very, very, very much like that. I can't eat it too much because I would be a blimp, but it would be <laughs> if I could eat there every day, I would. And final message for your Montreal fans. Thank you for showing up. Thank you for, for supporting. Um, I think Montreal actually is my number two most listened city on Spotify right now. So thank you for, for supporting me and letting me do what I do because I do not take it for granted. And I feel so fortunate that I get to wake up every single day and make music in a tiny little room in Toronto. So thank you for loving me and supporting me and giving me the confidence to do all this. Amazing. Uh, Elijah, thank you so much for spending time with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Kelly. It's so lovely to see you and it's always a pleasure and you're such a good interviewer and you're just awesome. You're just great. So hopefully we'll see you at uh, one of the shows. Follow us on Instagram, Kelly Alexander Show. We're very excited to welcome to the Kelly Alexander Show two-time Grammy-nominated DJ and producer Steve Aoki. Steve has released his album Neon Future 4 and is getting tons of positive reviews. Steve, welcome to the Kelly Alexander Show. Yeah, Ed, thanks for having me. So, Steve, how are you doing handling all the uh, social distancing and being at home at home so much these days? Because I know that in a regular time period, you'd be traveling all over the place. You know, I've figured out my rhythm being at home. And um, once you can do that, then, then things will be all right. You know, like, um, one, I'm very lucky because I have an amazing house for the quarantine time so i have a lot of activities that i can do and two i think something that um everyone can also attribute to their lifestyle is just building a planner and scheduling your days because once you start scheduling your days then you don't just kind of lounge around and, and wait for you know your favorite netflix shows to you know to binge watch or or whatnot, but, um, you know, you can go and, like, do the things that you need to do creatively and uh, and do the things that, that you actually wanted, wanted to always do but never had time for. And um, so I'm kind of making room and time for all of that, and my days are packed. They're, like, stacked up once again, and I prefer busy. I prefer having structure. So I'm doing quite fine. And how is fitness playing a part in all of this? Because I know that you're a pretty active guy. So I'm assuming being uh, sort of active is helping you keep your mind straight too. Yeah, yeah. Fitness is a big deal. I Like luckily I have a gym in my house. Not, not many people do. And uh, I like to live stream. So I, I did actually right before Neon you know, Future 4 came out, we did 15, uh, 15 wads workouts of the day leading to the album release. And I was dropping a song on um, at the end of each workout. So I was just doing a workout and dropping music and doing split live uh, Instagram streams with different artists that are on the album. But, um, you know, I just try to make it as fun as possible. You know, um, working out is definitely an uh, easy way to keep your mind and body active and and also it's like it's a it's a it's a gateway drug to do other things that are really good for you like meditation or yoga or breath work or things like that that i've picked up you know since i i mean i i've retired meditating for, for um for a long time and i started bringing it back but now i'm doing it every day 
So it's like those are the things that like I'm glad I'm picking up during this silent kind of retreat. So your new album, Neon Future 4, uh, obviously came out during the pandemic. I wanted to know, Steve, was that a tough decision to let it be released? Like, did you think about pushing it back? Because I know that there's some other major artists like yourself, uh, like Lady Gaga, for example, and Sam Smith, they're pushing theirs back and you didn't. So why did you make that choice? I mean, it was already, it, there's just too too much weight in the game to, for it to be pushed back. It was uh, I was I got pulled off my tour, the Neon Future Four tour. We were riding on this time to release the album for for months, months and months planned. And when we got pulled off the tour and I got sent home, the first thing I did was call my team up, going, "What are we going to do?" And you know, this question did come up: Are we going to push it back? Are we going to are we going to like settle in and figure this out? And you know, if we're, if we're going to buckle down and do it, how are we going to do it the best way possible? So that's when we um, came up with the 15-day challenge and just get everyone's attention because everyone's on social media right now. Everyone's on the phones, on their internet, on their watching Netflix or watching like stories or watching what's going on in the world. So we're like, you know what? It just makes more sense just to get it out now. We've already been setting this up. And all the artists that, uh, that of the 15 new songs that were on the album that were released, all of them were down to participate in one form or fashion. So, you know, it just, it was like, okay, let's just hunker down and, 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 and do the album release. You know, it, it sucks because the thing is, is that, you know, for me, the best way to promote this is live. You know, and I and and I don't see that in the foreseeable future. For you know, if I wait till I actually can perform live on the album, I'll already have finished like another album of music. So mm-hmm. I was just like, I just I just need to do this, do the best that we can to promote the album. And um, I mean, I'm making so much music now that you know, it's not like this is just like a interlude. This is definitely the biggest biggest career um, album of my my life so I'm we're putting a lot of time and and uh, and letting it letting it do its thing but um, I'm working on tons of music already so well, uh, post covid there will be more Stevie Oki music I mean I just dropped a song today I, I did a production I produced uh, for two young k-pop artists that are on the brink of exploding two solo K-pop artists, which is very rare, you know, not having like a K-pop artist in a group. And uh, that song is, is a smash. And I just dropped that today. That's uh, it's actually out. You can, you can see the, um, the music video on my Instagram. I just posted that up and I just dropped a remix a few days ago for ghost in the shell that this new Netflix series that they're doing with uh, one of my favorite movies of all time. And um, so I'm, I'm like, Still pumping out new records even during the yeah, Future 4. You have 27 tracks on the album, and I wanted to ask you, because I feel like you and I come from an era that probably appreciate how albums were sequenced, like where people really planned out what song was going to follow each other. So I'm wondering, Steve, like how much thought, and I'm sure a lot of it, went into sequencing this particular album in the order you wanted it to go. Yeah, sequencing is a big deal, and and I sequence it to, to me, really, you know, because at the end of the day regardless of how people listen to music and I know people listen to songs, which is why I release songs for the most part. I mean, 12 of the, the, the uh, songs on the album were, they came out as 
standalone singles throughout 2019 and uh, leading up to to the um, April 3rd date. But yeah, sequencing is a big deal because it's just it's a it's a, a test of of the time of that album. No matter when people listen to it, ten years from now, twenty years from now, or like after just like now, people are going to, to like follow that storyline. And um, and this album is very dynamic. It's got a lot of different tempos, a lot of different genres. Uh, with the collaborations on the album, it allows to breathe so many different directions. K-pop, Latin, you know, I have artists from Brazil and to uh, Norway, to Asia, to, you know, China, to um, America, to Canada. You know, across the board, it's just a really diverse just it's a really interesting storyline all all throughout from not just the genres but we have like the club bangers right that are that are for the culture you have these these pop collaborations and then you have these kind of what i call like the um the glue to the whole series you have these um sci-fi collabs with scientists and um, it's just, it's just a, you know, I really want to take people on a, on a journey. You know, it's, it's very different than, than a typical album. It's, it's like, it's a, it's like a, it's like a three part movie. You know, it's, it's a big project for me. You have a Canadian connection to the album for sure. As you mentioned, uh, there's Tory Lanes and Lights. And I was actually doing a live stream with Lights last night and she had nothing but glowing things to say about you and said how much fun she had meeting you for the first time. And you both started nerding out over uh, like like uh, video games, I guess, and, and the design stuff. And so I just wanted to know, like, why did you choose these Canadian artists to work with? Well, I mean, I always end up working with Canadian artists, whether they're songwriters or singers and musicians, I mean, it, throughout my career, it's it's clear that Canada has some of the leading musicians and artists in the world, like just hands down, you know, uh, you know, I mean, like last year I produced a song for the queen, Celine Dion. And that was, that was huge. And she's, she's from your hood. You yeah. know? Luckily I got to meet her and, and bond with her and, and like, you know, learned about her quirky side and, how funny she is. And, uh, and then we got, you know, we got in the studio and we made the song. So I'm really happy. I got to work on her last album. Amazing song, by the way, you guys should check it out. But, uh, it's, it's a no brainer for me to work with Canadian artists. And for one, I have a affinity with Canada. I've been touring in Canada for as long as I've been touring in America. And, um, the thing is, is as, as, uh, you know, as far as population size, it's a lot smaller than the United States. But as far as EDM culture, pound for pound, um, Canada is, is always so educated. You know, like, like early days on, I go to play Canada and I, I would already have a high bar of expectation of, of like the fan education on my music. Like they would just they would just know it quicker, faster. They just like they got it. You know, it was always like, it was always like, you know, really fun to play in Canada. And, you know, just clear you guys have, you have what it takes to, 
um, dominate in, in the music space. I wanted to actually ask you about your thoughts on Montreal and the EDM scene because, yeah, I think because we're Canadian, but we also have that European flair to our specific city, uh, we're definitely on it and we're huge fans of yours and huge fans of EDM. So have you ever had a chance to really sort of uh, explore Montreal when you've been here? And, and what's your thoughts on our crowds? Because usually most artists say that we go crazy for, for our artists that come in yeah. and, and, and play. No, no, it absolutely no. Montreal is uh, insane. Like uh, I, my last tour, we did we did the the biggest t- ticket selling show at um, New City Gas, uh, and then I mean other other artists broke it, but we're the first one to to do like those numbers. So I have definitely I have a very devout, and uh, I'd say like I, you know I have a, I have an amazing fan base all over the place, all over Canada, but especially for Montreal, for some reason, it's not just I have a really big fan base, but I have a really devout, passionate fan base there that were early and getting the tickets that, that they gave me like the highest ticket count for the city, for that, for that venue at that time. And, uh, you know, I, I love it. Like we always make sure we put, we go to new city gas. We always make sure we play in Montreal. I mean, I, I want to play more festivals there. You know, that's the one thing that I'm missing is I want to do, a big festival in Montreal. I end up playing it at Belle in Toronto for the most part. But, you know, when you already have like festival kind of energy in, in, in a club, you know, and it's so cold. I think that's the other thing too. People are just like excited to like go out and do something in the wintertime, you know, because they're like stuck at home because it's so cold. But I don't know, you guys have some, some tough skin. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. I'll say thank you on behalf of all of us Montrealers. I wanted to ask you, too, you know, you've worked with so many different artists. You know, when I was just looking over the list, it's insane, all the people that you've worked with. I'm just wondering, is there anybody sort of that you still have like a bucket list for that you would love to, to work with in the top 40 world or even in the EDM side of things? Yeah, the thing is, is I used to just talk about that and I realized that the best way to put out a record is surprising a surprising audience, you know, surprising everyone. So, um there are some really interesting collaborations that are going to be happening and that I've been working on. And the other thing too is there's nothing worse than like finally getting your dream collaboration. And then, uh, you do the song, you get in the studio, you track the song, everything sounds great. And you get to the finish line and then some bureaucratic red tape just like hangs it up and then puts it in the shelf. And then you can't release it because there's other powers that are involved that are, bigger than you your say so so uh, that hurts that really hurts that's happened far too many times to me so um i, I kind of keep that that answer to myself <laughs> that's fair that's good i did want to ask you too about uh your love of michael jackson because i happen to be a huge fan of janet jackson think she's amazing think the whole family is like just ridiculously talented and i just wanted to know what did michael jackson speak to you or how did he speak to you as a kid that you just took him him in and and were so influenced by him I don't know. I think it's just the whole thing with Michael Jackson. You know, it's not, it's, it wasn't just his voice. It was everything. Like you watch his videos and back then watching music videos is how you heard about music. You know, like you're on, you're glued to MTV and you're like watching the videos, you're watching the, the outfits, you're watching the dance moves, you're watching the expressions, like, you know, and there's no such thing as social media back then. So like, what you knew about people, you just imagine how they were in person. And as a kid, I, I would I would look at Michael Jackson, his smile, his laugh, his like hair, his like clothes, his dance routines, his singing, and I was just so obsessed. You know, you copy. I would copy him. 
It was my first concert I ever saw, and since then I've always been obsessed with Michael. And um, you know, decades later, I got the opportunity to to remix not only Jackson Five, but like the, one of the greatest songs of all time, Thriller. And um, and I had Joe Jackson in my studio so he can approve it and make sure that that the you know that it, it was it was good to go. And uh, that was that was mind blowing as well. So there's a lot that's come full circle in that for me personally. Um, I never got to meet Michael. Uh, I wish I did. I was such a such a fan of his. But um, spirits in all of the music, so Perfect. always will be a fan of him. And before I let you go, Steve, I just wanted to ask you five quick questions. I call them Steve Aoki fast facts for your fans here in Montreal to sort of know what's going on. Uh, do you have a fave music video of all time? Uh, well, I'm just gonna tell you the one in my head right now. Welcome to the Block Parade, My Chemical Romance. That's like one that just stands out really strong. I, I wouldn't say it's my favorite, but I'm just going to give it, I'm going to give the nod to, to my camp. If you were not a DJ or producer, what career would you have? Because I know you're super like smart and intelligent. So I feel like you'd probably be some sort of rocket scientist. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I would love to be working in the science field. I would love to work with Elon Musk. I would love to be in that kind of space and, and sitting in those rooms and figuring out how to find the vaccine for COVID-19. That would be amazing. Which pop artist would you like to be stuck in an elevator with? Freddie Mercury. Oh, that's amazing. That's such a good answer, Steve. That's so cool. If calories didn't count, what would you eat every day? Cinnamon roll. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, that's good. Montrealers will love that. And if you were co-headlining a tour, who would be the other artist or band and why would you choose them to co-headline with you? Good question. Well, my last tour... Was so it was my favorite one so far, and it was only five days or something because we got pulled off the run. But I was uh, touring with Timmy Trumpet, and he is amazing. He's a lot of fun. He's my very very close friend. We have like a couple of different songs we worked on. So um, I'm happy. I'll say Timmy Trumpet. Perfect. Steve, you rock. Thank you so much for spending time with us. We we appreciate you, and we can't wait till you come back here to Montreal. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's Grammy-nominated DJ and producer Steve Aoki. Learn more about him at steveaoki.com. Like us on Facebook, Kelly Alexander Show. Very happy to welcome to the show Colin and Forrest of Services. Hi, guys. Thanks so much for hanging out. What's up? Yeah, thanks for having us. Super excited to have you guys. We play your song all the time on Virgin Montreal. I have to start off by asking, do you know where Montreal is? Mm, can we guess? Would that be fun? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm thinking like southeast Canada. Uh close, yeah. Yeah, we're like we're 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 the east coast, that's for sure. We're not as far out as like some of the the, the uh the eastern provinces, but we are definitely east of Toronto and all that sort of stuff. So that's good. Um are you guys looking for have you guys been to Canada yet at all? Uh we've been to Toronto. We played a yeah, show. To Toronto. Okay, cool. And what's your thoughts on Canadians? Are we what you thought we, we might be? Super nice. Super nice. Really chill. Nice hype, for sure. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. We'll take that. And uh, did you guys get to sample any kind of fun food when you were in Toronto? Like anything different or fun? I feel like it was like an, a really in and out. Oh, you know what? We went to that breakfast joint. And they and they called, um, or in, in you guys called bacon something was it bacon or sausage oh, is, it back bacon? Oh, is it back bacon oh yeah bro they call bacon um what do y'all call bacon again i don't know we call it bacon in quebec so 
<laughs> Unless Toronto no, calls no, it. But like, they called it like ham. Oh, did they? Oh, okay. Bacon. And I was okay. like, yo, this is not. I mean, like, <laughs> no, not like this, but like, yo, that's bacon. That's not it. It's kind of wild. Yeah. That's cool. Well, when you come to Montreal, you're going to have this thing called poutine, which is, uh, do you know what poutine is? It sounds, like it sounds very familiar. It's super tasty. It's French fries um, with oh, cheese and gravy all over the top. That's like our jam. You know, I, Super Troopers is like one of my favorite like comedy movies. And like, that's the only reason I know what poutine is. Okay. <laughs> that's cool. That's very good. Now I have to talk to you about Sunday Best. I'm sure you guys are tired of talking about the song, but have to do it because it's so amazing. I read recently that it's crossed over like 270 million streams, which is just insanity. When you guys did the song, did you have any clue it was this special? We knew it was special. We didn't know that it would get popular. Like yeah. we had a we had a little community of Surfaces fans, and we kind of we made it for ourselves and for them, and we knew that it would be special amongst that group. But like the fact that it just like has not stopped growing is so crazy. Have you been able to enjoy the ride because it's been so crazy? Absolutely. Um, yeah. We don't, we, we're not like the ones to get like recognized on the street and like we always keep our egos in check uh, if that, if we even have egos. Um, and like every day, like there's always something new that we hear about it and we always take it for what it is and like how special of an opportunity this whole situation is. And uh, it's just a really, really unique feeling and we're grateful for it all. When you guys film the music video for the song, what, do you like filming music videos? Like, is it fun for you? It wasn't a goal of ours. <laughs> at, at the beginning, we were, like, terrified. And I think you can kind of see how terrified we were on Sunday Best because we, like, weren't sure, like, what yeah, to do because that was our first full-scale one. Yeah. So, yeah. But, like, I will say Keep It Gold was an absolute blast. Like, when I think of that music video, I, like, relive the memory of how fun that entire three-day trip was. So That's cool. And what was it like performing Sunday Best for the first time on late night television? Like, cause I watched that performance. I thought it was fun. Was it fun for you guys or terrifying? It was, yeah, it was, it was thrilling. Like it was fun, but like performing is not that nerve wracking for us. Like maybe our first show, first two shows, but it's, you know, it's fun. The people are happy to see you, but showing in is kind of like not enemy territory, but like you show up in a place and there's just like a crowd of people that may or may not know the song. And just the fact that it's live and you got all these cameras and the crew is looking at you and you're like, it's just, it's a, it's a different environment. So yeah. it's very, it's like nerve wracking, but it's so fun to do. Definitely. Different. Now, when you guys, um, like, obviously we've all been sort of staying at home the last several months, all of us across the planet. Are you guys looking forward to getting back out on stage? Oh yeah. Oh Definitely. yeah. We, man, we were supposed to do like 10 or 11 festivals this summer, which was mm -hmm. like a completely new experience for us. And like, Obviously, with everything going on, we couldn't do it. And we were also supposed to get Australia and, like, Canada and a bunch of other places on our, our big, big tour. But, uh, you know, it's in the books. We haven't written it off yet. And, uh, you know, we're excited about it still. Now, I was uh, trolling all of your social media, so apologize, I apologize for being creepy. But I, I wanted to be as up-to-date as possible when we had our chat. And uh, I was noticing um, a few things. I wanted to talk to you about the new merch that you guys put out recently. And I wanted to ask, first of all, I think it's amazing that some of it is going for COVID relief. So can you talk to us about why you guys decided to do that? It feels like, especially there's like a threshold once you get past. And I mean, it doesn't, oh, I guess there's, doesn't matter how big you are, but like 
I feel like we're at this point now that we're, we've been so blessed that it like doesn't make sense for, for us to just do things for ourselves at this point. And so um, COVID's obviously like the, one of the bigger things that um, culture's focusing on. We're trying to get over this. And so we're just helping how we can in whatever's currently going on and whatever happens in the future, like we'll continue to help with that stuff too. And who came up with the ideas for coloring books and puzzles? I love that. I think it was like um, uh, Tony, maybe our manager. Yeah, even managers mentioned it. Like that's a good idea. Well, I didn't even like when it comes to merch. It's like me and Forrest have always printed just shirts or hats or I think just shirts and hats and like (laughs) we never thought of like I mean maybe socks, but like a coloring book is just such a unique idea and it's really cool for the times because it's like you know people are indoors or doing new things or trying out hobbies or they're you know reenacting old hobbies so it's like a really cool thing to like sit down and like I got to do the puzzle and it was actually I haven't done a puzzle since I was like six or seven and it was actually really cool to do the puzzle again it looks super fun and it and I feel like it it fits with like who you guys are and I wanted to ask you about your sound and 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 how it's evolving for you because when I listen to like a bunch of your different things uh, like your different songs I just feel like the the consensus for me is when I finish listening to all these songs it made me feel good so is that like the goal or is that like an unconscious goal that just has ended up happening? Cause you guys, it's like super feel good music and I feel positive about the day after I listen to services songs. Yeah. So I feel like our musical journey and there's a lot of like different things that go into, but like, if you think of it like food, if you're like, I oh, mean, I really want to eat healthy food, but you don't know about cooking. You might just be like, okay, I'm going to eat this spinach and then you eat it and it tastes really bad. But if you know, if you invest years into cooking, you can find a way to make a beautiful, healthy meal that tastes really good that you want to come back and eat. And so for us, like we wanted to package a healthy, something that's good for your body, good for your soul into something that like actually is fun to listen to. And so that's what's taken us so many years to, to figure out. But I feel like we're finally, finally doing it. You've done it. It's great. I love the tracks. And you have to tell us about the collaboration with Elton John. How did that come about? Because that is just sick. It was amazing. So that, that song was something we had started like a few months ago. Um, we were like bouncing ideas and we knew it was a really special song. And we kind of put it in the pocket for a while. And then like I'd say right around the very beginning of the pandemic, uh, the song had pretty much almost been entirely been written. And we were like, man, like, what better place or what better time for this song than right now to really help people and assist people with the times. So we like pretty much finished recording it in Force's studio. He's sitting in right there and like, it's pretty much done. And then, you know, our managers were like, Hey, you know, would y'all want to like send this around see if anyone likes it or digs it or possibly have a feature on it? And we're like, ah, like as long as the person who is willing to do the feature is like really passionate about it. So like, it bounced around the industry, I guess. And then like Elton John was one of the people who like hit us or hit our managers back with like, Hey, I'm absolutely in love with the song. I'm, I would love to be on it. Like I would love nothing more to get my ideas and possibly be on it. Like, just let me know. And we're like, of course. So that's amazing. Was it like a surreal moment when the song came out and it services like you guys with Elton John, Sir Elton John? Yeah. It's crazy. It's, it's my mom. Uh, when she was, younger had like this oh i'll tell a different way my sister like two years ago we were sitting at dinner and my sister asked all these like deep questions and she was like hey what is your what's your biggest dream that you've ever had like like what's what's the 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 crazy thing that's out there 
And uh, my mom was saying that she's always wanted to sing with Elton John. Like that's like her dream. And then sure enough, like here we are singing with Elton John. So it was just crazy to see like the magnet. That, that was one thing that like helped me feel like the magnitude of how big this thing is. That's amazing. Now I know we're almost out of time, but I did want to end with just a couple of quick, uh, f- uh, fast questions for your, your fans here in Montreal. Uh, so each of you have to answer this. What's your, like, what's your hobby? Do each of you have like a hobby that's like your jam? Um, water sports on a lake is definitely, I feel good. feel good doing that. That's sure. cool. Yeah. Uh, what's the best compliment that you've received from a, a fellow entertainer that has stuck with you? Like, is it something Elton has said maybe or? Hmm. We really haven't talked much or not talked, but like communicated with a lot of others. Um, I mean, I mean, yeah, Elton, Elton did like give us compliments and yeah, different yeah, categories. So, so. And every time he would say something, he's like, oh, I love this track. It's got a great rhythm. And you know, the, I love the message. Like coming from him, it was like, Oh, cool. Like Thank it you. must be. Cause sometimes as an artist, like you don't really know if what you're thinking is valid or what you're doing is valid. You just have to kind of put yourself out there and to have someone as legendary as Elton John be like, this is good. You're like, I'll, I'll take that. That's a, that's a trophy. I'm going to take that one. That's cool. That's so cool. And, and, and Colin, do you have something to say? Oh no, I was just adding on the first. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I wanted to ask you this. If you guys could be in a, in a super group with like two other artists, who would they be and why? Ooh. Uber group. Whoa. <laughs> Can it be like anyone we want? Anyone you want, dead or alive. Jeez. Dude, what about like us, Jack Johnson and James Taylor? <laughs> It'd be super hype. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be cool to do like a, like a, some kind of visual, like, like a, Oh, like Zimmer or something or like, like some, something that's so far away from our sound, but like if we put them together, it would make this massive sound. Because like if we made music with Jack Johnson, it'd be like, oh, cool. Like, yeah. Blend our sounds with that. would be like, oh. Okay. It's kind of like how when uh, like Aerosmith and Run DMC got together, it's like, those are two different dudes. Yeah. They did walk this way. Whoa. What's happening? <laughs> it's true. Sure. Uh, final question message for your Montreal fans that you haven't met yet, but hopefully will soon. Trying to get back to get out to Canada and so nice. I love the culture there. Everyone's so cool and nice. Yeah. And like our last, I think in what, in our last show there, like one of our fans gave us like maple syrup, which was super good. Yes. Yes. And that like, was so hype. Yeah. And they just yeah. gave us, I don't know where it's at, dude. I don't know if, I don't know, but it was like this glass, like maple syrup bottle, like here. And we're like, oh my God, this is so good. Well, if you got that in Ontario, you're going to love it better when you come to Quebec. I promise you, ours is like high level octane. So it's good. Boys, thank you so much for this. And I I really appreciate your time. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Uh, You too. You as well. Thank you. Bye. The Kelly Alexander Show. Thank you so much for spending time with us on the program this week and a shout out to our guests, Elijah Woods, Steve Aoki, and Surfaces. My thanks, of course, to Andrew Sabino, our producer, for doing such a great job putting the show together. And don't forget that you can listen to us on all the major podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher Radio. We'd also love for you to grab all of our social media handles and you can do that by hitting up our website, kellyalexandershow.com. Have an amazing week. You and I will chat soon. The Kelly Alexander Show.